0: everybody. This is Jay Denson of Fit Health Well, and thank you for tuning in to another episode. Uh, this guest that I have on today, if you actually refer to uh, episode 39, uh, we covered her story extensively just in terms of her what she's been through and um, in, in terms of just her own life, her own trials and tribulations and how she overcame that. Um, she is a gold medal winner record-breaking liver transplant survivor who is now taking on a new challenge by swimming across Lake Ontario to raise money for local hospitals. Uh, I applaud her efforts and, you know, I've had the opportunity to, you know, just have conversations with her um, and meet her through a mutual acquaintance and I I really admire her. She has a great spirit and and I had to have her back on just to just to discuss what her new journey is and her new tax. So um, Jillian, Jillian Best, she's back, and uh, let's just get right into it. How are you today? I'm doing really good, thank you for well, Yeah, no problem. So, you know, just, just, for anybody that wants to know right a, a little bit more about your story again, like we we really, really went into detail um in, in our episode 39, uh where we uh just captured right where you were in terms of just how you felt. Um, I would almost I would like to say if I'm describing this correctly, being at Death's door, um just waiting for a liver transplant, right? So anyone that's interested in hearing that, they could go back. You know, the focus of this episode really is um I I I love having stories or interviewing people that are just accomplishing or attempting to accomplish amazing feats. And you can Google this, but Lake Ontario is, is a huge lake. <laughs> okay, I'd imagine. So this is what she's attempting to do is not a small task by any measure. So, uh, you know, she, she, she's going out, she's doing this for a good cause. And I wanted to have her on just to speak to that briefly. So the first thing that I'll ask you regarding this is, in terms of planning, when did you decide that like, you know, hey, I want to do this. And what was your schedule in terms of training on how you were going to execute this?
1: Yeah, so it was last spring, we had just kind of gone into the lockdown. And my friend had lent me a book that inspired this whole idea. And it was written by Diana Nyad, who has swam from Cuba to Florida 100. 100 miles, 104 miles or something crazy like that. Uh, So that's what inspired me. And it it was kind of at that time when I thought, I want to do something cool and big like that. I want to swim across a body of water. So the idea came to be last spring. I've been thinking about it, consumed by it, um, researching, talking to many other marathon swimmers, swimmers that have done this particular swim across Lake Ontario Um, and to be completely honest, I, I knew that the training would be intense. I knew, you know, training for marathon, anything takes a lot of time. Um, but it's just been in the last, I'd say month, month and a half or so when, you know, the swims are getting to be three hours or more, um, at a time. And, and so that's sort of, the buildup has sort of been from last spring. I always swam a lot, but you know, through the pandemic, there was times where the pools were closed and the lakes were frozen. So I had to adapt and find different ways to keep fit and keep my cardiovascular training, uh, really good. So I would run or do some strength training. I did lots of strength training through the winter months. Um, and now that the lakes are kind of just warm enough to get into it's progressively, um, increasing my volume, um, you know, soon I'll be swimming 60 kilometers a week to prepare for the 52 kilometer crossing across Lake Ontario. So it's kind of a snapshot of what, what my training looks like.
0: And in terms of like, I drew comparisons, and I'm so glad you said it because that's immediately what I thought about when I um so when I started hearing the story and, and you were sharing this about the lady that uh, sw- swam from um Florida to Cuba, right? And um mm-hmm. in terms of this, and, and and it sounds like that definitely was the inspiration prior to this. Like, what was the longest length uh in terms of of swimming that you did previously prior to this? Um, so
1: I, I swim on a masters team, and I. I had been doing some open water swims, but they were no more than five kilometers. Um, I think it was two New Year's Eve's ago, um, some friends and I, we did a 10k swim in a pool. Uh, we did different. We broke it up into 100, 100 meter intervals. And to then that was the longest swim that I had done. And it took about three hours. Um, so I kind of jumped in. I, I, I know that I haven't done anything kind of in between, but um I really am believing you know a lot of it is it is your mindset and um I knew that I wasn't going into it with any injuries and to be honest being out of work throughout the pandemic has allowed me to kind of shift my focus to swimming and put all the time that I would be probably working into the water so that's kind of allowed me to um to to do this and to give it like 100%
0: absolutely and in terms of so now in terms of your training right because definitely you gave us a very detailed um background in terms of what inspired you what you were doing in the colder in the colder months leading up to this right because of, of course mm-hmm. with the and I since transitioning to canada I've seen it like how these lakes freeze over <laughs> yeah so it, I can't imagine anyone swimming in that right <laughs> um but in terms of now so now the weather is a bit warm um what is your training regimen? Like, are you like so I know from my personal experience, right, because I'm I'm ignorant to um, in terms of training with swimming. But I do know with marathon running, which I've completed in in the past, there's a build up right before race day, before you do 26 miles. So whether you're doing a 5K to a 10K to uh, a half a marathon, you build your way up to that. Is that similar in terms of of this? Do you kind of build your way up or is it something totally different?
1: It's it's pretty similar in, in terms of building up your volume. So I had been swimming between 20 and 30 kilometers a week up until about, about the beginning of May. And then I hired um, a coach, an open water endurance swimming coach, who has given me a little bit more of a detailed plan on how to uh, safely ramp up the volume before my swim and then taper because tapering is important as well. Um, so right now what it looks like is, um, so this past week I just did a bulk week. So I swam about 50 kilometers last week. Um, now this coming week will drop. So allow my body to recover, but I'm still going to be swimming. So about 20 to 25 K, uh, the following week we'll be, uh, working on a bit of speed and then I'll, uh, do another bulk week and kind of ramp back up. Um, and then I'll have like an active taper. I think it's a two week taper. Um, the last two weeks of July, uh, just so that my body's not overworked. I'm rested still in the water. You don't want to get out of the water really for any length of time, but, um, yeah, so you're kind of ramping up and down, but it gradually keeps going up. So it's sort of like, a um, a squiggly line upwards, I suppose. Like an EKG
0: Uh, monitor kind of going up and down. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So your body's like learning to adapt and recover from the volume. But, um, and one, one cool thing is, um, and it might be a little different from running. I know that like, I think when you're training for a marathon, you don't ever really run over the 42 K and it's kind of the same thing. Like, over two days, consecutive days, I will put in the the time in the water that will be around how long it will take me to do Lake Ontario. So I wouldn't do it all in one shot. I would do it over two days. So that just allows your body again, a little bit of recovery, recovery in between, and just so you're not injuring yourself.
0: I, so just for clarification, I'm sorry. So mm. you said in terms of the uh, the Lake Ontario attempt, you're doing the actual time you're doing it in two days or it's your training that you're doing in two days?
1: The training. So, so I think at my mo- like at my peak, I'll do like an eight hour swim one day. And the next day I would do like a six to seven hour swim. And that's sort of to mimic what it will feel like doing Lake Ontario. And then of course, Lake Ontario is all at once. So I get in the water, I don't touch anything, the boat, a person until I get to the other side.
0: Okay, all right, and then so so the day of that you're planning to do this. This is all going to be done in one day, correct? Yeah, it should okay.
1: shouldn't shouldn't take more than a day. <laughs>
0: yeah, I would hope <laughs> that. What is your estimated time that you uh, that that you're expected to complete this task? Uh,
1: good question. Um, so this is something I've talked to a few experienced swimmers about, and. Um, If I do the math, it should take me like 17 and a half to 18 hours based on my current pace. But mentally, I'm preparing for the swim to take like 24 hours, because I don't want to be in the water at 19 at the 19th hour and think that I've lost, you know, I want to be setting myself up for mentally feeling good. You know, if I do reach 20 hours, then I'm ahead of You know, the 24 hours that I thought it might take. So, and you just never know, like the lake could be really rough. It could be, I could hit a lot of cold patches. So, it's not like the lake's necessarily gonna be flat, perfect conditions. Like, it could be, it could be a rough swim. So, I need to prepare for the worst.
0: Well, you just exactly you just transition into like what my next question was going to be, right? Because like you're throwing out these numbers so casually. You're like, yeah, you know, 24 hours is my time. But, you know, if I know I'm 20 hours uh, doing it and <laughs> in my mind, I'm like swimming for 20 hours. That's so insane. But I know and I know you're totally capable of it. Um, but yeah, the next question and you answered a little bit of it as well, too, is, you know, What are some of the risks, and have you assessed them? Right, so we already know, like current, I would imagine, right, would Mm -hmm. be one of um, them—temperature, things like that. Um, What other types of risks um, are you assessing at this moment, in in are preparing for?
1: There's a lot of things that could go wrong, Um, so that's why it's important to, you know, try everything. Like, do the night swimming. I, I will be swimming in in the darkness. So. Um. Some people get scared at night. I don't think I'm gonna be scared. I, I'm never really worried about what's below me in the water in the lake. Uh, the ocean would be a different story, but um, so there's that. Getting familiar with um, swimming at night, and of, of course, like a really big one is um, hypothermia. That's like a major uh, thing to be very careful about because um, the lake, you know, if I'm lucky, it'll be around seventy maybe 72. If we have a nice warm summer. Um, but that's still like a good, I think 10, 15 degrees below our body temperature. So being in the water that long, you're exposed to like technically cold water. Um, and the risk is there. So um, I, I've had to adapt to swimming in cold water and uh, teach myself to accept being cold, um, instead of hating it, because that would just make the swim really unenjoyable. Um, Another risk is uh, your nutrition plan going wrong. So sometimes people throw up in the middle of the lake, or they didn't practice what they were going to eat, and it doesn't sit well. Um, Crashing, so not getting enough in, and you hit that wall, and you deplete all the glycogen in your muscles, and you just can't go anymore. Um, So that's also uh, uh, something to be very mindful of and um, think about during my training, practicing all that. Um, And, you know, injury is, is also um, a risk. However, I don't think that I would want to go into crossing Lake Ontario, if I felt that I had something, you know, on board, like an injury was going to happen, like, you know, a rotator cuff or something like that, because It's a very repeated motion and and shoulder injuries can happen and not just shoulder injuries, but lower back, um, your neck, like there's a lot of different places in your body that are uh, susceptible to injury if you're not, um, if you're not strong enough and, and prepared for swimming for a whole day.
0: Exactly, and and like as you talk about this, like I'm immediately um, thinking about your safety, right? Because, uh, um, mm-hmm. for example, I uh, and this seems to be a common thing. Like you, you can go into this with with no injuries, um, but I, from what I've heard, speaking to a lot of uh, experienced swimmers, too, are, are cramps, right? Especially like in the hamstring area and things like that. Um, and so the two things that I that I, I was thinking about as you were as you were detailing this were, um, one, any unforeseen occurrences or injuries that may happen. Happen, um while you're swimming in the lake and then two swimming at night so the questions I have for you in regards to those two areas is mm-hmm. um do you typically have a, a pacer or like a, a, a boat medic in case anything happens to you and then for at night, right? Because like I'm imagining swimming at night in the darkness and I'm like, I wouldn't know where to go or where I'd end up. Uh, would you have like a pacer or something with lights to kind of help you navigate? How does that work with those two areas?
1: Yeah, those are those are good questions. Um, so for safety reasons, I'm actually not allowed to have a pacer at night. They only want one swimmer in the water at a time at night. So, uh, once the sun rises or it's daytime, I can have one, one pacer in the water with me for the rest of the swim, if I'd like. Um, so I'll be swimming it in the water alone at nighttime. Um, but what I've been advised to do is put those glow sticks on, you know, if I have a kayaker beside me, you put glow sticks on the, on the front and the back of the boat and also on the paddles so that I can see them. Um, and there will be a spotlight on the lead vessel that's, that's navigating the swim. So, um, when I look up to sight or look over, I'll see the kayak and I follow the kayak, or if I look forward, there's a light on the boat. So other than that, everything else is dark, but I will have some idea of where I'm going.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. And do you, uh, again, i uh, uh and I I, just, I I'm sorry cuz like this is why I love having you and I'm I'm glad we have this relationship that I can kind of pick your brain on these things. Mm-hmm. Again, just another comparison to marathon running is um you know during the course route you have um there stations where you can uh, get nutrition, right? Same thing with Ironman races and things like that whether you it's a um a power bar or Gatorade or things like that. Is that available in, 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 with an attempt like this, or you're just winging it for the, 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 20 hours and just hoping for the best.
1: Definitely need to stop for uh, nutrition. So, and in a marathon swimming, they call them feeds. Um, so I have figured out half an hour is every half an hour. I will take a feed and I do intend to make them fairly quick, like no more than 30 seconds, um, at the most. And the, there's a few reasons why I think it should be done quickly. Um, you know, the longer you're stopping, you're kind of wasting time. If there's a current, you could be going backwards. Um, and also you, if you're not moving in that water, you might get cold, especially at night. So, it's important to make the feeds pretty quick. So, hydration is so important, hydration and making sure my electrolytes are in balance. Um, And I'm practicing right now all the different foods and liquid um, nutrition that I can take in, just practicing doing it quickly and also ensuring that I can handle it. Like, it doesn't make my stomach upset or make me feel too bloated. Um, And also, just finding the right amount. So I think typically, uh, marathon swimmers eat anything between 400 and 500 calories about an hour. Um, so playing around with that number and just finding the foods that, that feel right, that you can get down fairly quickly. You don't want to be chomping away on like beef jerky or anything in the middle of the (laughs)
0: lake. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you, like, like, yeah, like what works best for you. Right. Because I've heard it all. Right. Like some um, in terms of marathon um, racing or, or ultra marathons or anything like that, like in terms of applesauce, because it's digestible and it's immediate carbs mm-hmm. or um, bars or things like that. Um, but in terms of swimming. Right. Like what's what's your preference in terms of nutrition and that's going to help you power through this thing?
1: Yeah, great. Another great question, because there's, um, there's different ways to go about it. And I do think every swimmer will have their preferences and their ways to fuel and get the best energy. And for me, I tend to eat a high fat diet. So I don't I do eat carbs. Um, I'm not a keto person. However, I have the ability to to tap into my fats as a fuel source, not just carbs, um, which is, um, sugar basically. Um, so when you're able to kind of go back and forth, um, like a hybrid engine, my nutritionist says, um, if you, you know, if you're running low on, on carbohydrates or glycogen, you can kind of switch over to your slow burning, um, fat source as fuel. So my intention is to, um, be able to do that during the swim. However, I will be eating carbs during the swim, and those kinds of things are. I, I found this stuff called CarboPro, and it's basically uh, carb water. It's like powder that you mix, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you can you can mix it into uh, to a, like anything. So if you're going to have soup, you can mix it into soup just to give you a little extra energy, um, or you can have it on its own. It doesn't have a, a flavor, which is nice. Um and I've also been testing bananas. They seem to to work out pretty well. Uh yesterday I had an Oreo cookie which was like a fabulous treat in the middle of my
0: I was going to say hour. that's nice. Yeah, it was <laughs> nice. Cookie.
1: It was nice in the middle of my 5-hour swim. It, it feels like a little treat, right? Yeah. Um uh what else? Uh I had some cheese slices and, and some nuts.
0: So, and that worked out for you, right?
1: That worked out. Yeah. I still want to try a few other things. Um, I've heard some swimmers, like w- one amazing woman I talked to last, uh, earlier this week, she had a Big Mac in the middle of her swim, which I thought was <laughs> pr- pretty awesome. Like, I don't think I'll do that, but um, it, just to show you, like everybody's different. Some people no, they totally,
0: more. they totally are. Cause I was talking to Dean Karnasas, um and when I had him on the show as well, and he, he said that when he got into ultra. And for those who don't know who Dean Carnassus is, you can just look this guy up. He's he's like a super sick, like ultra marathon runner. He's running like the hottest places on earth and the coldest places. But there was one time where he was like, yeah, I had a Big Mac, like in the middle of running. And, <laughs> and I think at that point, right, when you're doing that amount of um, miles or kilometers or whatever it may be, you'll take anything as a fuel source, right? I'd yeah. imagine. Um in terms of your training now, what I'd like to ask you too, because I I also want to focus on like failures and struggles because that's, that's what helps people. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of your training right now, like what have you discovered, um, that's not working and how have you resolved that and and, corrected it? Mm. If anything, or, or you're just killing, or you're just killing it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so far I have to say everything's been going really well. Like the, the biggest obstacle that I faced initially was the pools being closed. Um, and so I when when I had like nowhere to swim, I, I picked up running again. So like, but that, you know, that was just kind of adapting and being kind of resilient to the situation and, um, trying to find another way. Um, Yeah, right now, everything is going really well. So I don't have a lot to say there. Um, But I still have a lot of training to do a lot of long swims ahead of me. So I'm sure I'll come across something I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised if something came up. And I kind of hope it does. Because, you know, you want all the bad stuff to happen before the major swim so that you know what to do um, and learn from it and figure out, you know, if this comes up you know, when I'm crossing Lake Ontario, I'll have been there and I know what to do. Um, I guess like um, I've experienced lately a lot of chafing. Um, So nothing that I experienced doing one to one and a half hour swims, but once my swims started getting longer, I've got some like, like painful chafing from my bathing suit. Uh, When I was wearing a wetsuit, really bad chafing on the neck. Um, So like, that was kind of it. And I just had to figure out what to put on it so that it didn't rub and happen the next day. Cause it's no fun having a chafe and then you know,
0: having something know. rubbing on it again. I'm sure you've
1: ex- we've all experienced. We have, some and for those,
0: who yeah. Who, yeah, for those who don't know, because I, I always have to keep in mind the people that may not know what any of these terms are. So chafing is and is an irritation, actually, a continuous rubbing of material <laughs> or fabric on your skin. I've I've definitely um, experienced that myself, and and I would say men in particular in, in marathons have seen the, the bloody nipples. nipples. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and typically, what we've done is we've either used Vaseline or the little small circle band-aids or things like that. I think the one year, my first marathon was so terrible, man. Like I had bloody nipples. I had had a dark toenail. It was, it was terrible, man. And, but I learned, right. You, you tend to adapt with those challenges um, and things like that. So that's, that's what chafing is. I think uh, another term we used as well in the podcast was tapering and tapering is basically, you're just kind of ramping down, right? So if you're, if you're in a position where you're going to do something that's endurance based. With a lot of miles, uh, you want to give your body an uh, an opportunity to recover um, and you do less miles um, just in in preparation for that. So I just wanted Mm -hmm. to make sure anybody that missed those terms caught that. Um, This is great. You gave a lot. Yeah, you gave a lot of great information. And then the next stage that I I, want to get into is um, the, the community part of it. Right. So the question I have for you here in this area was. Uh, how how did you get the community involved behind you in this, and 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 in terms of raising, um, you know, awareness and, and funds for local hospitals? How did you go about that?
1: Um, yeah, good question. So I wanted to I wanted to do the swim for not just for myself, but I I wanted to um, show the transplant community and not just the transplant community, but, um, you know, what having an organ transplant isn't necessarily limiting. Um, and so I thought, you know, social media is a really great way to engage the community and get people to see what I'm doing, especially during a pandemic when it can't be out, you know, knocking on people's doors, which somebody
0: is bringing my doorbell at if the moment. You, you if you need a moment to go get it, I'll entertain these people listening to the podcast if you'd like to get up and go. Okay. I'm yeah, sorry, they've
1: rung they've rung twice now. You
0: go ahead and get that. And in the meantime, so what I'll tell you guys is is that um, you know, anytime you're doing something that's community-based, um, you know, it's always good. There's a cause, right? In terms of what the accomplishment is. But I think the message and my goal in this podcast is Uh, To always make sure you're taking the proper measures, um, the safety measures, rather, uh, in terms of embarking on anything, anything that's long endurance, right? So you want to make sure that you're you're checking in with your medical professional. Um, You also want to make sure... That you got clearance to do what you do and then assess the risks, right? You want to definitely assess the risks to any issues that you may have or encounter during this time, because um, as much preparation that you can put into uh, whether it's a marathon race or whether it's a swimming race, um, you want to be as prepared as you can for that. So, you know, again, having that having that preparation beforehand will help you assess the rest the risk. And Jillian touched on that uh, previously in in the in the episode, um, in this episode specifically, right? Because In order to have success, you have to deal with failure, right? You have to assess the risk and you have to uh, assess the failure. So um, that way, when you encounter it, you know how to deal with it. So that was very useful information from her that I want you guys to digest. So we have Jillian back. I was able to fill that time nicely for her. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, no problem at all. So we're going to get right back into um, the community based aspect of it. Right. Like, how did you get how did you um, get the community behind you on this and how did you reach out in in terms of organizing this course that you're doing?
1: Yeah. So um, I created a foundation with my friends who've been affected by organ donation, uh, whether they've had a transplant or been a donor or just a family member that's had a transplant. Um so we've created this foundation um so we're all kind of working on this together. Uh we've made a website uh moveforlifefoundation.com we have um social media um on Instagram and Facebook so that helps put the word out there. Um and that was just somebody at the door who a fu- somebody on the fundraising team who's been uh he's got some checks for the foundation which is great. So um Amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really cool how it's all coming together. Um, And, you know, I couldn't do this alone. And I'm very grateful for the people that have have come on board with me to want to do this. Um, And everybody has their own job. So um, because I'm busy training, uh, there's, I've got a treasurer. So somebody who helps uh, manage the money that's coming in. Um, I've got, um, I'll call her my team manager. So she kind of helps overlook the whole picture. Um, making sure that there's somebody, um, to take care of each aspect of not just the swim, but organizing events and, um, and, uh, uh, making sure that we keep putting our message out there. Um, we're going to soon have a newsletter, that kind of thing that goes out to people that, um, you know, want to, want to be updated on, on the latest, um, news from the foundation. Um, I am afraid I'm missing Missing important things here. Um, But there's there's, you know, there's somebody involved in each aspect of organizing the swim. So um definitely a community effort. And um it's been really fun to kind of show the community what uh what we're doing because I think in a time like now, the pandemic has been kind of a a low um, vibe time I think this helps to give people some inspiration and and think you know not everything going on in the world right now is is necessarily bad so
0: exactly and there are a lot of good things going on right now too I, I would like to say like uh, I think with this time um which is very very helpful in terms of uh, uh what I tend to focus on and, and I whether I um Decided to highlight it in my podcast and just even have general conversations with people is the mental wellness of it. Right. I think uh, mental health is something that that's that's very, very important, especially during a time of isolation and lockdown. And, you know, now everyone doesn't deal with with that the same way and everyone doesn't deal with it well. So when it, whenever you're able to do something productive, um, whether it's just, you know, take that energy and put it towards a goal training or develop something. Uh, I always think that that's amazing. Uh, what is the date that you will be attempting this? I I, I realized I didn't, I didn't, we didn't discuss that in a podcast and, um and how, and yeah, yeah. Just us, when is the date? When are you doing this?
1: Uh, So August 3rd is the date. Hopefully that will happen. It, you know, if there's a storm or lightning thunder, um, it'll have to be pushed to the fifth, which is the rain date. Um, but we're, we're aiming for the third right now. I'm scheduled to start in the evening. Um, so I would finish in the daytime the next day. However, I've been thinking a little bit more about that and not sure if I want to start at night or not. So Maybe I'll start during the day. We'll see. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm, As you tell me that in the date too, because we had a couple of a, a warm days here in Ontario as well too. Right. So I would mm-hmm. imagine it's going to be a bit, a bit more hot um, in August. I know you said you prepared for the cold. Um, have you prepared yep. for the heat?
1: Um, I'm preparing for the sun to be beating on me all day. So I'm working on finding the best sun protection. Um even yesterday I was swimming outside for five hours and I don't know if you can see it, but I've got quite this, uh, I see gobble, a
0: little...
1: gobble yeah. and cap tan line here <laughs> happening. I don't care about the lines. I just don't want to have like a severe burn when I'm done. <laughs> um, but you know what? I know the water will never be too warm. Like I'm not worried about that at all. Um, in fact, I, if anything, I'm, I'm just wanting to be ready for it to be, to to be cold for most of the time. So, um, that means swimming, um, in cold water, (laughs) which which it is right now. So I'm, I'm getting it in. I'm not, I'm not really, I'm, I'm doing the work as far as that part's concerned. So, um, yeah, so August 3rd, I hope it's a sunny day and I hope the lake is relatively flat. Um, but as I said earlier, preparing for the worst. So I have to train in the waves too.
0: Beautiful. Uh, last question I have for you before uh, we get out of here and we give you um, uh opportunity to, to share your information is if there's anybody listening to this right now that's inspired not only by your story, but but it's inspired about uh, the feat that you're about to embark on and they want to do anything. It's long endurance, lengthy. What advice would you give them?
1: My advice would be really research it before you, um, before you commit, um, talk to people that have done it. Um, it doesn't mean you take every word of what someone says to be true, but that's why I like to talk to lots of different people, kind of get general idea. And from there you can figure out what works for you. But, um, I've learned a lot from, from, uh, talking to other marathon swimmers and things I've learned from them that I, still haven't run into. So, um, I wouldn't want to know, you know, the day before that, Oh, there's pockets of the lake that are 50 Fahrenheit, you know, like that's, that's something you want to know. You want to know all the things that can go wrong before you do something so that you can prepare, you can best prepare for them. Um, definitely want to have a good support team, surround yourself with people that lift you up You can't have negative people around you, not just, you know, for me on the boat and around me during the swim. But like, even in my training, I have distanced myself from anybody who has negative things to say, even if it's not about me or what I'm doing. um, You just don't need that kind of energy. Like when you're putting hours and hours into your training, you need the most positive people around you um, that
0: support what you're doing. Who would have anything, I'm sorry to, to, to interject, but who would have anything negative to say about what you're doing? Get rid of them. Hello, get yeah, Right. of yeah. Right, like, like that just sounds like a hater to me. Like, you really want to run? Why don't you get off the couch? I don't know. I, I'm You and I are on the same page with that. I remove yeah. anybody that's negative um, or that's a barrier, an emotional barrier to anything that I'm trying to accomplish. So I, I yeah. just, when you said that, that was like, I'm sorry. It was like a slight trigger for me that uh, anybody <laughs> would be negative towards what you're trying to do right now. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah.
1: You know what? To be completely frank, I think it's jealousy um, yeah. that they don't have maybe the, the determination or motivation to do it themselves. Um, and I'll just say, you know, we, we've we been in a pandemic and some people think it's a bad idea. You know, why are you training? The pools were closed. Well, for me, I think it happened to be the best time to do it because I've had well, I've had really nothing else to focus on and it's given me something positive to put my energy into. So, um for those naysayers out there, like I'm just you putting you aside, I'm not and not even just for training for something, just in life in general. Like why do you want to be around people that are bringing you down or talking bad stuff like yeah
0: nobody needs that and don't project your negativity failures or fears on me I think I I think a lot of times too right like for some people we become susceptible to that right and someone Mm -hmm. says like you said and, and things like this when I hear it they are definitely triggers because I've heard I've experienced personally things like this in life where someone says you can't do that or it can't be done. Or you can't. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like uh, yeah. just right. Have you tried? Like, <laughs> have yeah, you been, how do you know? <laughs> how do you know? I, I was born with a, a heart murmur. I had a hole in my heart, right? And I was told you you, you can't run marathons. And I'm I ran four, right? And I've I yeah. you know, i can not even count how many half marathons I've ran. That's amazing. Uh, you, thank you. And you're even more amazing, right? Like you're in death's door, you had a liver transplant, you came back from that. So yeah forget those people. And, and like, yeah, I love the fact that you're able to, um, you know, just kind of carve those people out because a lot of people can't. They let they let that stuff kind of get in their head, and it and it's it's very disruptive, and it's a barrier. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm I'm glad you were uh, you have that sense of self awareness um to avoid that. So with that being said, you know you uh, uh you hundred percent full have my support on this. Uh, we definitely are in contact, so we're gonna stay in contact regarding that. And then as we uh in this interview, uh, just give everybody anyone who's interested in following your story um or one it would like to donate or for your for your movement just uh now's the opportunity to share that
1: yeah so there's lots of information on our website as I I think I said earlier www.moveforlifefoundation.com um there's different ways to donate you can do it through goFundMe uh you won't get a tax receipt that way if you'd like one you can send an e-transfer to info at moveforlifefoundation.com. You can send a check. The address is on the website as well. Um, what else? Oh, Facebook, Facebook, we're Move for Life, and Instagram is uh,
0: move.forlife.foundation. There we go. You got it. So thank you, Jillian. I really, really appreciate your time. Yes, I am well. going to be following this as well, and I'll just keep in contact. I'll hit you up personally as well, just to, to wish you all the best beforehand. And I'm going to check on you again afterwards, um, just yes, to make please. sure everything is good. Um, but again, you know, thank you so much. I really appreciate you for carving out time for your day um, to share your personal story. I also uh, appreciate you uh, coming back to uh, discuss you know, what your uh, milestone is going to be, which I know you're going to crush it. I know you're going to kill it. I know you're going to inspire it. a lot of people. Yeah. So, um, uh, m- best of luck on that. And thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. Again, <clears throat> if you'd like to donate, we have the information there. Um, uh, and if you missed it, we will have it. You can, uh, email us at fithealthwell at gmail.com. And I will forward that information along. And then if you'd like to follow as well, um, just make sure you follow her on the, uh, move for life. I'm pretty sure they'll have updates as well. And hopefully the message that you guys and the takeaway, right. That you got, you guys got from today um, is, you know, whatever it is you want to do, whether it's, it's your own personal feats um, or you'd like to give back to your community. uh, Jillian is very, very inspirational for that. And even if you are, and if you are a transplant survivor, I think that's more of the focus as well too. Uh, Don't think that you are limited. You are not. So hopefully this, you know, we, we touched a couple of souls uh, and this this episode. And and I'd like to continue to do that as I continue to bring you uh, content as it's related to health and wellness, whether it's professionals or inspirational stories like Jillian. Thank you so much guys for tuning in and I'll see you on the next episode. You guys have a great day.